You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast, making your experience with electronic drums that much easier. At about this time every year, so say late June, early July, something like that, I always start to get a few phone calls that go along these lines. Talk to me about triggers. Why, what's up? Problems? I need new triggers. They were great in rehearsal, but they just don't hold up. I was playing a festival at the weekend, and they were misfiring, they are mistriggering all over the place. I just don't know what to do. I just give up. What works? What would you recommend? There's got to be something that's better than those ones. The weird thing is, though, I took them back to rehearsals, and they were great again. So I don't know if this ever happened to you, but it's really common, and the answer is really, really simple. If you've ever been in a studio with a singer, when you ask a singer to sing as loud as they're going to sing, so you can get an idea of their levels, they always give you a nice loud level. However, as we all know, when it comes to actually doing the take, they're about 10% louder. And we drummers are exactly the same. We are in rehearsals, we're hitting how hard we want to, and then we get to our gig or our festival or anything else like that, and adrenaline takes over and we start to hit quite a bit harder. When we hit hard, we generate more vibration. And as we've talked about before in the basics podcasts, electronic drums work from vibration. The piezo pickup inside the trigger or inside the pad works off being shaken, and that generates a little burst of electricity, which is what the module generates the sound for. So say you're on stage, say you're doing a festival, you're really hyped up, you start hitting really, really hard. What is actually happening? Why is this problem happening all the time? Well, if you think about it, the input for a drum module, if you imagine that to be like a door and you have uh, set up your triggers perfectly so that when you hit your triggers nice and hard, the signal is big enough to fit through that door easy. The only problem is when you go on stage and you start getting a bit carried away and you start hitting harder and we all do it, then the signal is actually bigger than the door. And so the top part of it gets chopped off. It's like distortion. It just doesn't go into the module. It doesn't make it any louder. And so what happens is the module tries to understand the shape of the trigger signal that's come into it and it misreads it. So it's either going to misread late or in some occasions it will misread the wrong volume, or on some other occasions, pretty rare, it will just not trigger at all. So that's what is happening. Trigger problems happen live because the triggers are not set up properly. And generally, it's because they are set up too loud. The input gain on that channel with the trigger is too loud. That is the issue. Most drummers put their input gains too hot or too loud. Same thing. It can be absolutely perfect in rehearsals. It's just when you get live, you start hitting a little bit harder. It just doesn't work. Right then. So let's have a look at triggers. First thing to say is not all triggers are the same. If you look at four different triggers, you know, let's pick all the big names, your Rolands, your Yamahas, your D-drums, your two-boxes, all of that sort of stuff. They're all built in different ways. Some of them have got metal bodies. Some of them have got plastic bodies. Some of them have got the pickup pressed against the head and then foam behind it to push it onto the head. Others have got foam touching the head and then the pickup at the other end of the foam. And all these go to make totally, totally different trigger signals going into the module. And this is something that's really, really important because you can either use that to your advantage 
or you just need to be really aware of it so that if you're having issues, you can go, ah, okay, I've got a rough idea. The problem might be caused by this. So what I wanted to do in this podcast about triggers is basically take four triggers and show you the differences between them, show you how they work, show you why some work better with some modules and other ones don't. And I have put some screen grabs up on the web page to show you what I'm talking about, to show you the waveforms, to show you the latencies, to show you all these different things about the triggers. When most people go into a drum shop, they just say, right, I want some triggers. Can I have those ones, please? But with a little bit of thought and a little bit of knowledge, you can get some triggers which will suit you perfectly. So what I did for this is I took four triggers. I mounted them on a 14-inch snare drum with a triple-ply mesh head on it. And the four triggers were Tubox, D-Drum, Yamaha, and Roland, all their current models. And I mounted them all at 90 degrees around the drum, so divided the rim into quarters, and I marked in the centre of the head the exact centre, so that the vibration of the impact from the stick, or in my case actually a marble, was no different. And this is so we could get a really, really accurate idea about what's actually happening. So I mounted the triggers on the drum, rigged up a device using a microphone stand which would drop a marble right in the centre at exactly the same velocity every single time, so I could see what was happening. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast. To make your experience with electronic drums effortless, subscribe to eDrumInfo.com. Okay, so let's have a look at the two-box trigger first, which is called the Trigget. Now, this is a metal top. It's a plastic bottom where the jack socket goes in. And if we actually have a look at the trigger itself, the actual trigger, the piezo, the little metal round piezo that picks up the vibrations, is actually pressed against the head. And it's pressed against the head by some yellow foam, which is behind it. So what we can tell by this is we're going to get a very, very fast trigger because the vibration in the head is going to go straight into the piezo. There's nothing to get in the way. There's no foam there's no felt, there's no nothing else. It's just going to press straight against the head. But the other thing we can tell by looking at it is that the foam pressing the piezo against the head is also going to dampen the head slightly. And this comes to a point which is really, really important to make. When you trigger off acoustic drums, there is always a point where you make a compromise. It's just the way it is, okay? So, the two box trigger will be very, very fast, but it will dampen the head. Now, if you're using mesh heads, then this doesn't matter because we're not listening to the sound of it. But where it might matter is if you're using an acoustic drum head and you have a nice long ringy drum sound because obviously it's going to shorten that drum sound by pressing against it. So something else to bear in mind. So let's have a look at the D-Drum one next. Now this is all metal construction. It's this classic construction. It hasn't changed at all in the last 30 odd years. You can hear me tap it there. XLR plugged, so the three pin XLR, which means it locks so it won't come out due to vibration, which means these are very popular with pros because it just means you can set it and you can leave it and there's no risk of the jack socket coming out. If we look at the pickup itself, this is something a little bit different. This is something, I believe it's a stress tester. It's not a conventional piezo pickup. This is a little rectangular thing held on with tape onto the foam. And again, the foam is pressing against the head. The foam is pressing the pickup 
onto the head. So again, we can tell it's going to be a very fast trigger, but it is going to have some dampening effects on the head, just like the two box. Then let's have a look at the, the Yamaha, the DT50, uh, all metal construction, actually very, very heavy. This is much, much heavier than any of the other ones. And this has got a jack socket. If you're going to have a jack socket, you always need it out the side. So there is no gravity pulling the cable out of the socket, which you do not want. Now, the pickup itself is being pushed onto the head. Now, the trigger itself, the piezo is mounted into the actual cast metal shell of the trigger, and there's foam beneath it. So it's actually very light foam pressing against the head, which means it doesn't dampen the drum so much. Actually, it has very little damping effect on the head but the vibration has got to travel through what about a centimeter and a half of foam before it gets to the trigger, which suggests that it will trigger slightly later than other triggers. So that's the Yamaha. And then exactly the same thing with the Roland. So the Roland is an RT30HR, which I have here in my hand. That has also got foam underneath the piezo. So the vibration from the head has got to get through the foam before the vibration gets to the pickup, which again means it's going to trigger slightly slower. The other thing, of course, about the Roland is it's worth pointing out that the foam is actually a cone. So it's actually got a very small footprint on the acoustic drum head, so it doesn't dampen it too much. But it is thicker foam than most other triggers. Now, when I say trigger slightly slower, I've got to justify this. We are only talking a millisecond at most. We are not talking a lot. But in these days where drum companies are obsessed with saying, hey, we make the fastest drum module. Yeah, they might make a very fast drum module, but if they then sell you a trigger, which slows down your trigger signal by two milliseconds through a pad, which slows it down by even more, then they're sort of being a little bit deceitful, I feel. So just by looking at them, what we should have is the two box and the D drum being the fastest triggers and the Yamaha and the Roland being the slower triggers. But like I say, it will only be by a millisecond or so. So if you now have a look at the trigger latency screen grab, you can actually see the outputs from the triggers and you can see how quickly they responded to the marble being dropped onto the center of the head. If you look at it, you'd look at the two box one and go, wow, that fires well ahead of anything else. And it does, it's it's quite a long way ahead. It's It really responds very, very quickly. However, it doesn't actually produce anything which a drum module can work on until after the D-drum has. So the D-drum doesn't respond for you know another millisecond. So it's, it's not all as simple as, oh, this one fires quickest and this is best. So if we look at the, the four outputs, the two box triggers first, but it doesn't do anything useful for the first millisecond or so. The D-drum actually is the first one to produce a usable signal, followed by the Yamaha and then the Roland. Now, I'm not saying that the Roland is slow or late or anything else. It just works in a slightly different way and it's got more foam and it's a denser foam. So it's just the way it works. But if you look at where the biggest peak is, the two box and the Roland, they're about the same. Their response wise is going to be the same. Now go to the screen grab which says looks similar but you'll see the size of the peaks. Now I matched the inputs on an audio interface so that these would give 
an accurate view of exactly how big the trigger signal is. Because you might think, I want something which has got the biggest trigger signal because it's going to be best. But that doesn't always work, just as we described earlier with the door, the signal having to fit through the door. If the signal is too big, it doesn't work. So if we look at this looks similar but page, we can see that actually the, the two boxes got the most happening. It's actually the, the hottest signal, which means it's the loudest signal and there's more information as it tails off. So it's actually a, a very good trigger. The Roland is just behind it in terms of how hot the trigger was, how loud the output was. Then the D-Drum and the Yamaha is actually the quietest. Now, why is this important? Well, for a few different things. One, the clipping thing, which I said earlier about trying to fit the signal through the door. If you plug a two-box trigger into something which hasn't got a very big input, like a Yamaha module, for instance, you might think it's going to overload it. But it's again, it's not that simple because it all depends on something called loading. When electronic drums were all in their infancy, there was no research. Basically, everyone was doing it from scratch. So everyone developed slightly different ways of doing things. The same things, but all slightly different. And one of these is loading. So what loading is, is the resistance that the trigger signal meets when it comes into the module. Now, Yamaha have a different loading to Roland. Roland have a different loading to Tubox and D-Drum and all this sort of stuff. So this is why all the triggers are different. It's because they've set them up to work as well as possible with their own specific module. So this is one of the reasons why if you take, say, a Yamaha trigger and plug it into a Roland module or a Roland trigger and plug it into a D-Drum module, it might feel totally different. It's still the same trigger, but it just doesn't feel quite the same. The actual loading itself is just like the impedance of a guitar amp. If you know anything about that, uh, you'll know that by changing the impedance of a guitar amp, you can make it louder or quieter. And something which is 100 watts into... 4 ohms is going to be different from 100 watts into 8. It's technical, we don't need to worry too much about it at the moment, but it is actually very, very important when you're plugging pads and triggers into different makes of modules. On old electronic drum modules, when you plug the pad in, the first control that you got to was an input gain, or it was normally labelled as input sensitivity. And this knob would allow you to turn it right down to zero so that you would get nothing from the pads or the triggers, right up to full, which would give you zero dynamic range and it would just give you a very loud trigger signal. And if you look at older modules like the D-Drum 4, the D-Drum 3, early Simmons modules, this input knob was there. But on the newer modules, this is all done digitally inside. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast. I once asked the designer of the D-Drum 4 module why it had knobs to control the input gain, but the module which came after it, which was produced by Tubox, the Drumit 5, didn't. And it came down to two simple things. One, it was simpler to do it digitally, but also two, drummers didn't understand what this knob did and they would always set it wrong. They thought it was some sort of magical sensitivity knob which if they turned it up would make everything more sensitive and if they turned it down would make things less sensitive which is exactly what it isn't. So that's why all modern modules have got it this way with digital inputs rather than having an analog input with a knob. 
Okay, now look at the screen grab, which is called velocity ramps. Now, what this is, is this is the output of the triggers when I played on the center of the head with drumstick this time, uh, from very quiet to very loud, being as smooth as I possibly could. And if there's one screen grab which demonstrates that all triggers are very, very different, it's this one. You would expect, within reason, that the shape of the curves would be pretty similar for all triggers. After all, they're all piezo sensors. I was using one drumstick, gradually getting louder. But if you look at the shapes of these velocity ramps, they're all over the place. So if you look at the first one, the two box, this is probably the smoothest between that and the, the Yamaha. So you can see where I started playing very, very quietly. And then gradually as I got louder, the peaks get louder, but they don't get consistently louder. Sometimes they're up a little bit, sometimes they're down a little bit. It's not even at all, especially if you look at the D-Drum one. I mean, that one looks like a fish with a tail on it. It's, it's got a real big peak at the end. The Yamaha is quite smooth. The Roland, that's up and down as well. And what this demonstrates is that the different ways that triggers are made, well, whether they've got the piezo pressed against the head by, with foam or whether they are at the other end of the foam and the foam's touching the head with the piezo at the other end, they all give a different output and manufacturers will tailor their modules to respond to the triggers as well as possible. It also goes to show why the velocity curves in drum modules are so important. Because if you change your make of trigger, you might have a completely different velocity response from quiet to loud. So you need to choose a different one inside the module to counteract any issues with the triggers. Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm on about, the velocity curve is an adjustment inside the module which decides how quickly it gets from quiet to loud. Now, if you're a loud player, you'd probably want that getting loud quite late. If you're a lighter player, you'd probably want that getting loud quite early. Everyone's different. Every drum is different. Never set all your drums to the same velocity curve because I can guarantee they won't feel right. Some will feel good, some won't. So you need to have every single drum or trigger or pad with a different velocity curve, which suits your playing. And we're all different can't stress this enough we are all different we all hit drums different velocities we all hear drums differently so you need to mess about with the velocity curves inside the module to counteract any weirdness that might be occurring in either the triggers or the pads it comes down to this if you have a roland module buy roland triggers because they work really well with it if you have a Yamaha module, buy Yamaha triggers, and they work really well. If you have a D-Drum module, use D-Drum triggers, and they work very well, and same with 2Box. However, it doesn't always work like that, just to be nice and simple. I find that a smaller output trigger, like the Yamaha or the D-Drum, will work with anything. At the same time, I find that triggers like the Rolands will overload the input on maybe Alesis and Yamaha modules. So they work up to a point, but when you start hitting hards, it isn't read properly and it mistriggers. And I find the two box actually works with most things. It's actually a very flexible trigger. It seems to work with everything from Roland to D-Drum to Yamaha to Alesis to anything else. So if you have a Roland module, buy Roland. If you have Yamaha, buy Yamaha. If you have D-Drum, buy D-Drum. If you have 2Box, buy 2Box. If you have something else and you're not really sure, then my suggestion would be buy a D-Drum trigger or a Yamaha trigger because it has a smaller output. Now, why is this important? Okay, the reason for this is 
All drum modules allow you to turn the gain up. They actually allow you to make the input signal bigger, but very, very few of them allow you to make that trigger input smaller. And that's where the problem is. So in the collection I have right behind me at the moment, the D-Drum 4 module allows you to turn the input signal down. So it works with anything. I can plug any trigger into it and it just works. I just match the input gain for the pad and it just works. But most modern modules will only allow you to turn up the input gain. So they will only allow you to make the trigger input signal louder, not quieter. And that is where the problems start. So sorry it's got so technical. Uh, I don't know how many of you have managed to listen all the way through to this, but hopefully it should make a little bit of sense. So this is why not all triggers work with all modules. And the same can be said for pads as well, but that's a totally different story. So hopefully that's made a little bit of sense. If you need an all-round set of triggers, go for something like D-Drum or Yamaha. The two box with some caveats as well, because it is a slightly hotter signal, but it still seems to work very well with everything. If you have a Roland module, definitely buy Roland triggers. And I think that covers everything. That should get you working. But there's something else to add. If you do suspect that your triggers are overloading the inputs on your drum module, don't despair. There is something very, very simple you can do to remedy it. It doesn't cure everything, but it does mean that you can play reasonably hard and get the best out of your triggers. And for this, what you need is Moon Gel. Buy a pack of Moon Gel or Sky Gel or any of the other similar products and just chop it down into small, maybe centimeter squares, and then squash that between the pickup sensor on the trigger and the drum head. And what that will do is it acts like a natural noise gate. It actually gets rid of all the background noise and only allows the main trigger signal, i.e. your stick hit, to get through to the sensor. Now, this is brilliant if you have problems with triggers and you need to sort something very quickly without going into the module and tweaking rejections and all that sort of stuff. So just put a very small piece of moon gel between the pickup of the trigger and the drum head. But what this also does is it lowers the input volume into the trigger. Because the moon gel is squashed between the sensor and the head, it actually absorbs some of the energy from the head, which means there's less signal going into the trigger. So that also helps if your triggers are overloading the inputs of your drum module. The only downside of this is because it makes the trigger less sensitive is some of your ghost notes might get missed. But as a get out of jail free situation, it works really, really well. But please don't get hung up with this idea of latency. Just see what works for you. The actual idea of getting the dynamics right is much, much, much more important than having the faster system, but having no dynamics. Now, if you're totally confused by all of this, I'm very, very sorry. But if you've actually managed to gain something from this, then brilliant. Well done. If you've got any questions, get hold of me through the website. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast, making your experience with electronic drums that much easier. Subscribe to eDrumInfo.com.